we got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. The Selection Sunday edition of the College Game Day Podcast in person. Pete Thamel and I in the same room, perhaps for the first time since the National Championship Night in college football. Uh, Pete, 68-team field has been set. Uh, We're going to break down each region in separate podcasts. We're talkative and undisciplined. We're hoping in 15 to 20 minute bites, if, if possible. <laughs> Can I bet the over? <laughs> uh, man, that's probably a, a pretty good bet. Um, before we get into starting with the South bracket and the number one overall seed in Alabama, a couple of things struck me from Selection Sunday. And, and speaking with Chris Reynolds, who is the chair of the Men's Selection Committee, and he has a thankless task. Whew. He has to come on and explain the decisions of a 12-person committee, which may or may not have reflected his own. But the one thing that struck me from that was the reliance on the net, which we are repeatedly told, as we were with the RPI, that it was an organizational tool. I pushed back on him about using basketball judgment to differentiate among these teams, all of whom have some flaws. And he kind of doubled down on the metrics while saying, you know, each individual member could have some subjectivity, but they had to have something objective. To which I would respond, if you're going to do that, just give me a formula and that way everybody knows where they stand. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, I would agree, especially because the net has just been there, – There's just it's been, been a, a mess. Level, yeah, exactly. Been, I was going to say a level of variance to it. Yeah. Usually usually you say the artful things and I say the direct things. Yeah. But, I, I, yeah, I think there's been a variance to it. I honestly don't pay much attention to it. I just don't think it has enough credibility for the daily conversation of the sport to really give it credence in that. So I was surprised to hear him sort of like – genuflect to the credibility of the net when I think most people around the sport roll their eyes at it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing is like, I know that you're never just evaluated against one team, but as it pertains to the Clemson, North Carolina state mm-hmm. um, decision, I would actually have put both of them in. But if you want to say that because of the resume that Clemson had some bad losses against team, they lost to Louisville, uh, you know, they lost to South Carolina, they lost to Loyola, Chicago. You want to say that they can't get in if they do that when they're that close to the line? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. But I mean, they crushed NC State three times and even recently. Yes. And, you know, and then I don't know that Nevada and even Arizona State, and Arizona State, I think, lost to Texas Southern, if memory serves. They had mm-hmm. a bad loss on theirs yes. too. And, you know, so. I don't know. I would just, I would rather them just say, look, we can't live with that number of bad losses. We penalized them for that. Or um, just say, we thought they were better, which I would accept better than anything. The basketball people in the room, along with the other people, mm-hmm. just thought team A was better than teams B and C. Yeah. My, my thing with Clemson is this, and we talk about this a little bit in football with the, with the CFP. I'm a believer of intent. Clemson scheduled like a team that was trying to backdoor its way into the NIT and pad its record. Right. And that's just that that is, I think, what they ultimately got penalized for. Um, they went 14 and six in the in the ACC. It was it was jarring to watch their ACC tournament game, see their seeds, see their record and then like listen to all the bubble talk around them, because that's antithetical to what mm-hmm. we know of the ACC to be. Now, look, the world's changed. Things are different. You know, Joe on the street doesn't recognize one person on the ACC first team, all team like the, the mm-hmm. world is the world is completely changed. But I really feel like. 
their punishment to me was just not even trying in the non-league. See, I'm not sure that I totally agree with that. I think that they that they missed a couple of times, meaning that teams weren't um, you know weren't as good as they had hoped. California, for instance, sure. you schedule a Power Five team, and they're like two and five hundred or whatever Cal was this year. <laughs> you know that crushes you. You play your in-state rival, and South Carolina's bad. They're in the two hundreds. Um, you play. Uh, you know, I think they, yeah, they lost to Loyola Chicago, went to Final Four a few years ago. They're, they're in the bottom 100. So I think that they got hit a little bit of that. And then when you combine it with the ACC not being what it was, what it's been in some years, mm-hmm. metric wise, I don't think they were trying to dodge anything. I think they just, uh, I think they had a couple of bad breaks in their schedule. Yeah. I, I empathize for the bracketologist. Like I just bumped into Lenardi in the hall and he said he got Rutgers and, uh, in Nevada flipped. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's it, it's, they are indistinguishable to mm-hmm. me. Like, I, I just feel like all those teams who were on the bubble, Arizona state, um, you know, b- being one of them who ended on the right side, but North Carolina, obviously they had plenty of opportunities mm-hmm. to get in the tournament. Like this is not the, the, it, it relies on them not coming up on multiple big nights when they they had plenty of chances to get in. So I have a hard time. I I understand all the just talk about the bubble and the whys and the hows because it is interesting and you can dial it down. And when somebody's in and somebody's out, there's always there's there's a huge line to go. But none of those teams, you know, there there was there was a clear path for all of them. And I just have a hard time losing a lot of sleep over all of them. So. You know, I was glad. Not because I rooted for one team to get in over the other, but when you do the bracketology show, you start mm. to root for the notes that you dig up. Uh, <laughs> there and, we go. And I like to go through the tournament book, uh, you know, in the days leading up to the tournament. Mm-hmm. And when Nevada made it, Steve Alford became the fourth coach all time to take five different schools to the tournament. Wow. You know, do you know the other three? <sighs> Five I don't want to put schools. you on the spot. Tubby tough. Smith? Tubby Smith is one. All right. And I think maybe the toughest one to okay. get. That right. was the toughest one, I think. So five different schools. Um, Lon Kruger? That is correct. Is two. Those were the two toughest ones. The next one's the easiest one. The next one's the easiest one. And it's- You're excited about this team's game in, the, in this tournament because he's- He's taken the team to the tournament this year. You're fired up for the game because of oh, the region yeah. from which you hail. Rick Patino. Rick Patino. Yeah. Patino, Tubby, Kruger, Steve Alford. How about that? Yeah. Well, this note you hinted to me, and Marissa Dowling, our friend from Game Day, was in the uh, was in the room tonight in the war room, um, and because of Nevada, it jumps out. The Mountain West has lost nine straight NCAA tournament games, going back to Musselman in the Sweet Sixteen. Was the first of those, and they're zero and eight in opening round games since then. Mm-hmm. And Mountain West, I believe, has four teams in the tournament this yeah, year. Yeah, and all of those years, all of those multi bid years, yeah. two thousand eighteen was the last time they had any win. If you are, uh, you know, I was looking at, at some of these, and we'll do some upsets yeah. later on. But the Mountain West teams, that's where you find your upsets. And the first one that jumps out at me is Mountain West champion San Diego State. They play slow. Charleston can score. I mean. I, I don't know if they're going to win a game this time either. 
So wow, zero we'll and four could be. Gloria Navarez on line one, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say this, you know, I shouldn't say that. I will. I would like to see Boise State win because mm-hmm. Leon Rice is one of the uh, one of the good guys in the game, and he's done a really good job at Boise State. Longtime Mark Few assistant. So they play Northwestern. So we'll we'll get to that game yeah. a little bit later. We're gonna on. pick They're, all the games if yeah, anyone wants to yeah, listen to the bracket. Yeah, we'll eventually get, be disciplined enough to pick the games. Yeah, we're we're about to get started, but also uh, because of a guy who follows news like you do uh they 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 back they tried to they tried to back cut some news into uh <laughs> into so selection sunday didn't you they? do this as long as we have you love a good news dump right yeah. like right before there's always a good like memorial day news dump where an sec team like releases its like committee on infractions here <laughs> <laughs> like like right before the fourth of july um i remember that high school hired art briles on like the like the th- like the friday before fourth of july at like 4.45 in the afternoon. Anyway, love a good news dump. So McNeese State of the Southland Conference hires Will Wade today. Will Wade, who still has not received his potential punishment for the allegations that arose uh, for the strong-ass alleged offer that happened during his time. But I just thought, like, what a beautiful way to do it is to dump that at 2 o'clock right before Selection Sunday. By Monday, everyone's going to be more worried about, you know, did Clemson get uh, get get jobbed and not get in the get in the tournament. But I thought this today, driving driving to Bristol from Boston, if you had to set like the sitcom or the movie, if you will, for the like cheating coach, alleged cheating coach on the rebound, wouldn't you set it in Lake Charles, Louisiana? Wouldn't that be like the <laughs> wouldn't that be like the the truck stop town where you in and, and Will Wade is like a sitcom character. I don't know if you've been around, uh, around yeah. but he is a complete ridiculous caricature of the college basketball coach. And like, it's sort of like a perfect marriage. And he, Schroyer, the AD who hired him, was the head coach at Wyoming. He was an assistant at UNLV. He would probably be classified as a bit of a gray area guy, right? <laughs> During his career. I think that's, I think that would be, that would be safe to say. So it's sort Are of Are there like, really gray areas in college? Well, no, there's not right anymore. Now. Like, yeah, so. like Will Wade's strong ass offer is now just like an NIL deal. It's, uh, it's it, 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 it I even I was chatting with somebody uh, earlier down in the room like and we had talked about this with Jimbo and Nick when that kerfuffle happened and then Bayheim with Steve Forbes and Jeff Capel is the same thing like these guys get all offended when people accuse them of buying teams you need to step up to the microphone and say we're doing this better than you we're running our program better than you stop complaining mm-hmm. and start doing it so Will Wade was just ahead of his time I, I would. What if Will Wade doubles down like the Miami booster, the life wallet guy, and basically, you know, basically said, "Yeah, I, I don't care what they say. I'm running my business the way I want." What if Wade steps up there in in the introductory press conference and says, "Yeah, you know, McNeese made me a strong ass offer that I couldn't resist." It would bring the house down. Yes, it would ingratiate him to the people yes. too. Yeah, I do think it is a good window into. Th- there's always been this veneer of amateurism, as I called it, right? And like mm. the last, the last strips of that are being peeled off right now. There's, there's just breaking NCAA rules. You look at Kansas with the lifetime contract for Bill Self when he was in the crosshairs. Just administrations no longer really care about the ethics of breaking NCAA rules. Well, like it's an evolution of the way this the, the people think about the sport. It, it's a business. Yeah. People are starting to accept it, even at places where you wouldn't anticipate that they would. Some of the smaller uh, power five or power six, seven, however you want to look at it, depending on the sport, institutions are almost coming to the conclusion, yeah, we're just going to have to make yeah. them employees. Yeah. And when and when they do, uh, and I think they will, 
they'll probably also break off, do their own thing, and the NCAA mm-hmm. won't have that. And it'll just be a business. Yeah. It'll be a business being run, and people will still enjoy the games and the sport, which is what we enjoy most of all, though we, we do often – you know, start talking about these types of things because it's part of what we do, mm-hmm. but it's not the reason that we follow the sport mm-hmm. and and get to do it. So the reason we get to do it and the reason that we pursue this passion is so that we can be wrong in picking brackets. Yes, we like games. We like picking them incorrectly. Our friend Bill Connolly taunted us because we haven't paid up on a steak bet yet. Uh, by I, the way, this I weekend. mean, look, I'll send him a I'll send him a package a of Omaha steaks, steaks or yeah. whatever, something like that. I haven't seen Bill. I mean, I, maybe that's what I'll do and say, you know what? This is better than having to eat with you and listen to about soccer relegation or some such thing. So how about no, if you? How about if we, I just we send can't you some knock Omaha Bill? Steak. He did like a Mac East football spring preview yeah. last week, and it was like. Like eight thousand words. He's pretty prolific. I mean, it, it feels great. Like it, 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 he he deserves to taunt us for our bad picks. They were <laughs> oh, bad enough. <laughs> well, his weren't great. They, <laughs> yes. they were just less they bad than ours. Yes. You know? That's it. Well, let's start picking these games. Are we going to do this? Are we going? Not going so I just think we're going to do first round. What, what oh, just first round and then we'll, wait. We'll rapid we fire first round. Yeah, we don't want to do like hypothetical second round. Yeah. Okay. So, All yeah. right. A couple of hypothetical second round things. I'll yeah, I think we do like, interesting. if we go by region, I think we pick all the first round games fast. Okay. And then we say, who's your final four pick from the region? Okay, that sounds good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so let's start in the South. The number one overall seed is Alabama. The The biggest question I have about Alabama, they're the deepest team in the tournament. They've got more answers than anybody in the tournament. They have Brandon Miller, and no one else has Brandon Miller. The question about them is, are they eventually going to succumb to the scrutiny that is bound to intensify with the NCAA tournament comes based on their decision to let Brandon Miller play after his connection, whatever it was, uh, to the fatal shooting in Tuscaloosa in January. Now, in their first couple of games, they're going to be in front of a largely sympathetic crowd. They're playing in Birmingham. After that, it may not be quite the same. Um, I don't think I don't. There's no way they're challenged in their one sixteen no. game. But that that game that would set up their opponent in the second round, Maryland West Virginia, is a really compelling game. I've got West Virginia 
First year with Kevin Willard at Maryland, really good job to get him in this position. But I think West Virginia, having gone through those uh, those Big 12 battles, Eric Stevenson can really shoot. They're a tough defensive team. I, I'm taking West Virginia in that one. I'm taking West Virginia in that one. I think like this is where we're going to have to give a little bit of a window into how we're picking our bracket, right? Mm-hmm. And when I I talked to tried to talk to a coach from every major league the last couple of days just to like get a little feel for coaching against them and, and you know just kind of get some major themes and. Going in, I was like, I am going to be Big Ten. He- I'm sorry, I'm going to be Big Twelve heavy because I've thought all year like the Big Twelve has been the best. Then I like, and in the Big Ten feels a little bloated. You know what I mean? Like, which is why the difference between two and ten is like almost indistinguishable. So I, in in my mind, this is where I'm going to say, okay, I believe in the Big Twelve, and I believe if you are a middle of the pack team in the Big Twelve, you are better than a, a middle of the pack team in, in the Big Ten. I there are some good things that Maryland has done this year with Jameer Young and Julian Reese. Like they have some nice pieces. Kevin Willard, not a great tournament coach when you look back at his uh, at his record, Seton Hall and otherwise. So I, I feel like in. We're not far from last call for hugs. I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but I do think, you know, he's going to be next up in line with those legends as they as they go. Maybe him, Jim Laranega, um, those. So I, I think West Virginia can can get this done, and you know, maybe scare Bama down the road. You know, I, I'm not. I'm tending to pick these more on matchup driven as best I can. Sure, because I think you start looking at at some of the the conference affiliation things in the big 10 last year, 2022 tournament got nine teams in none of them made it past the sweet 16 bunch of them knocked out in the first weekend, the big 12, when you've had middle of the pack, and maybe it hasn't been as good as it is this year, but you've had middle of the pack teams or upper middle class teams, the last four, three seeds to get knocked out by a 14 in tournament history, all of the three seeds were big 12 teams. So I'm going more matchup and sort of thinking about, to use the example, to go back to the bubble example I mentioned earlier, for whatever reason, NC State is a really dangerous team with great guards. They can't mm-hmm. play Clemson. For whatever Clemson annihilated them three times. Yes. Bad matchup. Yeah. Couldn't guard them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Couldn't handle them. Couldn't get their shots off. Couldn't do it. So that brings me to San Diego State and Charleston, which is the 5-12 matchup in the South. And this is where... I am going a little conference there because we talked about the Mountain West futility, which mm-hmm. they there it has been immense yep. in this league. But also San Diego State, a defensive driven team. Uh, you know, they're they're top twenty in defensive efficiency, top fifteen in three point. But when you play like that, you keep everybody close. Now you're dealing with a Charleston team who can really score. Mm-hmm. They're gonna get some. They're good on the offensive boards. They get eighty one points a game. I uh I'm going Charleston in a 12-5 upset there. So I kind of I'm going to hint at the rest of this bracket that that I have a little bit of chaos coming here. I just mm-hmm. feel like if there's there's always one region where there's a little bit of anarchy, and, and I think it starts with Charleston. Pat Kelsey, what he's done there is really interesting. Reese, he has taken uh, basically Division two transfers and pulled them up, and they play their tails off. I there's no Ken Palm metric for who plays hardest in the country. I would venture that Charleston plays hardest in the country, and they play fearless, and they're old, and they're tough. They could eventually get overwhelmed athletically in this tournament um, because the, the the guys they have are, went to D2 for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a good matchup for them. San Diego State has some tortured recent history. Charleston can shoot it, pucker them up a little bit. I, I feel like they can get this game... They can get San Diego State out of sorts in this game. And yeah, I really like Charleston. I think because I'm going... Um 
offense-driven or maybe a little bit of the anti-slow ball, or maybe I just saw a little too much of uh, you know Virginia's style and struggles against Duke, who I think is an elite defensive team. I, I'm also going to spin that wheel of fortune and take Furman in their first tournament since 1980 out of the SoCon um, to, to knock off Virginia in a, in a close game in a 13-over-4 uh, matchup. Uh, Furman's got a couple of guys uh, averaging 15 points and shooting better than 50%. They've got a guy in J.P. Pegues who's really been scoring of late. Um, they did lose the only two real tournament-level teams they played in the regular season, played Penn State, North Carolina State, lost both. But I think this is one of those one of those games. Ben Vanderplas is out for Virginia, changes them a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is where you do get a little chaos and you get 12 and 13 in the next round. I'm taking I'm taking Furman. Well, aren't we gonna be boring? So I told you I was on the Furman bandwagon. Yeah. Taylor put it in the in the caption of the last show. The Furman bandwagon starts here. I can't start the Furman bandwagon and jump right <laughs> off it. Congratulations, Virginia. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, Virginia's coasting to advance. <laughs> There's no question. I do think this, talk to an ACC assistant today, the Vanderplus injury, he's the four that basically forces you to switch everything because he can pick and pop. And without him, they don't have a four to do that. So I'm always of the mind of don't pick a team to lose in the first round that could go to the final four. Virginia has a ceiling. They, they obviously have a, other than the time they won it, a pretty tortured tournament history. The style they play doesn't lend itself well to tournament play. And without Vanderplas, I just can't see them going deep. So I am going to uh, I'm going to take the fight in jail, fighting Jalen Slossons and uh, go with the Paladins. Okay, so bottom half of the bracket, six eleven matchup, Creighton and North Carolina State. I really like NC State's guards. Uh, DJ Burns is a load. He's like for listeners of a certain age, he reminds me of Oliver Miller. He He's mm. a big guy, but he's got mm. soft hands. He can dance on a light bulb without breaking it, despite the fact that he's you know right in the three-bill neighborhood or at least close to it. Um, I, I really like this NC State team, but I don't, I'm not sure I trust them. Uh, so I, I'm going Creighton there uh, coming, coming out of that. DJ Burns is most likely to be drafted as a guard in the NFL. <laughs> he is a massive, massive human being. He's like a a less, he's like a more low post version of like big baby when he was in college. He's a fascinating player and it's like all raw power. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's a delightful player. I think Traquavian Smith is a high-end prospect. I think he's going to be a high-end high -end NBA guy. And I, I'm going to take NC State here. And I'm gonna, I might roll with them a little bit. I, I feel like when you have Joyner shooting well and you have Smith, and again, they obviously, I think, We've, we've paid a lot of attention to the fact that they've been beaten, you know, so badly by Clemson so many times. But this is just, this is like a sneaky, talented team that that I love as a double-digit seed. I, I feel like if there is one double-digit seed I feel confident in winning in this tournament, it's NC State. Creighton has been up and down all yeah, year. Yeah. Um, they scare me. Yeah. yeah it scares it, me to pick them. And, it's weird. For years under McDermott at Creighton, they've been all offense and no defense. And, and really the last two years, they've changed some. Uh, they're 15th in defensive efficiency in Ken Palm. They, they actually have some they, – they have a little bit more oomph on, on that side of the ball. Obviously, uh, Kulk Brenner is a rim protector of some kind. I just feel like they're going to get outclassed athletically in this game by, uh, by, by NC State. So I am uh, – I'm rolling with the Valvanos. I will um, – I will say this: Whoever wins that game is going to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. I think I, I think Baylor's going to beat UC Santa Barbara 
in the 314 matchup. And I look, Baylor is dangerous enough to roll, but I, I just think they're not playing their best ball. Keontae George has been a little nicked up. Now they can get hot from the perimeter with Flagler and LJ Cryer and George, and they can light you up. And it would be great fun to watch Baylor and NC State and those guards make shots. I called an NC State game this year. They lost to Duke in Cameron, or the last regular season mm-hmm. game, actually. But, man, did Jarkel Joyner put on a show. Traquavion had a rough night. But they that would be a really, really fun matchup, and I somewhat regret uh, hurriedly writing Creighton during the middle of the bracketology show, which is how I fill out my bracket every year. Um I, I, it is true. I don't know that I totally trust NC State uh, right now because I thought I, I may be a little bitter because when I watched the first few minutes of the Clemson game in the tournament from courtside, I punched Seth Greenberg in the ribs and I said, "Those dudes are going to be playing on Saturday night." And then poof, it went away. You know, so may, maybe I maybe I'm just I'm upset. sure Seth forgot about it. Yeah, didn't yeah, oh yeah, no, maybe I'm just <laughs> upset with them over that. Um, they're they're talented, and I would love to see that matchup. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Maybe the most entertaining game, the frenetic pace and the mm-hmm. wild game is going to be the seven ten matchup between Missouri and Utah State. Missouri, uh, they're they're going to try to disrupt you. They're going to try to get steals. They've got Kobe Brown. Uh, they're not necessarily going to guard the three that great. And, and Utah State comes rolling in there with Ryan Odom, who won the sixteen over one matchup for mm-hmm. UMBC uh, against Virginia a few years ago. He's got a couple of really good shooters, and Stephen Ashworth and Taylor Funk. Um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take Mizzou, first year coach there, but I'm I'm really really eagerly anticipating that game. Yeah, I think that'll be one of the better uh, one of one of the better early games, and uh, I end up going with Mizzou. Utah State is one of the older teams in the tournament, and I really think the uh, the Ken Palm experience, like like if you're mm-hmm. looking for a differentiator in a close game, I think that is that is a really interesting metric, and I think we'll be talking more about age and veterans and and, and such because we're, we're, the way college basketball has evolved now, when there's less high end skill. I would rather gamble on on age than uh, than than anything else. But but that said, um, I love sort of Missouri's chip right now and their attitude. You know, we're the best mid major team in the country. Like, did you hear them kind of chirping that out of the uh, out of the SEC tournament? And look, they have a bunch of guys who just feel like they got called up to the bigs. Um, you know, guys from the MAC, guys who came with uh, with Dennis Gates from Cleveland State, and. They are playing with what's your favorite buzzword? A connectedness, a connectivity. Connected. I, uh, no a connect- connection. 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 We're connected. They're connected. We're all connected. We yes. stay connected. You know, yes. I don't know which coach said that in which clinic, <laughs> but whoever it is, I hope he's getting royalties because everybody <laughs> says it constantly. I feel so. like it was a Brad Stevens buzzword that kind of carried on. I because following the Celtics living in Boston, like that that was would show up in some of the, you know, in the Boston Globe articles about uh, about the Celtics. But yes, it did Well that would make me less annoyed by it because I really like Brad. So yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. I like Brad too. Uh, but there's a uh but but I do feel like the, the connectors of the connected connected this year. They they just they all got together and decided they were going to keep using that over and over and over again. But I do think Missouri has played in that way. They've been a joy to watch for mm-hmm. uh, for for for, mu- for much of the season. And uh, yeah, I sort of like the uh, the overdog underdog uh, duel that they have. And uh, yeah, I think they come in with they've won five, they've won five of six. Like I just feel like they're they're at a place and at an age where they can make a difference here. 
215 matchup is Arizona and Princeton. Mitch Henderson of Princeton is a nice guy to have a quick conversation with in the middle of a Tiger baseball game. I speak from <laughs> experience, and Great. you'll have and you'll have an opportunity to do that in very short order after uh, after the Arizona Princeton game. So I don't think there's any any real uh, challenge there. So from there, after picking the first round, we we'll pick our final four picks and give you kind of a quick bracket mm-hmm. overview of the South. I think this sets up beautifully for Alabama. The teams that give Alabama trouble are the ones that make the game ugly, that there, you know, there's a lot of pushing and grabbing and body checking and hip checking and and things of that nature. Certainly, West Virginia or Maryland could do that in the second round. But the other teams who might try that in their bracket don't have the skill that they have. Mm-hmm. And well, not many do. So I think the only real threat absent just a horrific shooting day or something like that where Alabama can't make a three, which we've seen a little bit Mm -hmm. of coming down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Absent that, the only team that can really line up, both teams play well, and beat them is Arizona. Mm -hmm. Arizona certainly can do that, but I'm taking Alabama to come out of there. I'm going to take Arizona to come out of there. So I have those two in the Elite Eight, and I always try to guard against recency bias when filling out my bracket, but I, I watched Arizona play, obviously, in the, in the Pac-12 title game late last night. Came away p- pretty impressed. Obviously, had seen them uh, seen them a bunch of times during the year, and I feel like uh, I'll be in Louisville where that game hypothetically would be, and I feel like that could be one of the best games of the NCAA tournament. But um, I do feel like Alabama's biggest opponents, at least until maybe that Elite Eight round, are going to come off the floor. Mm-hmm. Their, mo- their biggest good. challenges are going to come off the floor, I should say. And again, I'm not trying to manufacture adversity. I think we've put in context on this podcast a few times mm-hmm. what happened with Brandon Miller and his uh, tangential tie to the to the to the tragic murder of Jamea Harris. But it will be just interesting to see how that hovers over their run through this tournament. There, you know, from what we've been able to find out, they've had some extensive media training because the players face the media for the first time uh, at the SEC tournament that is only going to intensify there's going to be more and it does um, send that message to the players that you know that there's something else going on Mm -hmm. and not that they didn't know that and everybody understands that and everybody understands that basketball is inconsequential compared you know to a tragedy of that magnitude but since they are on the floor and playing uh, this will be a factor. And I agree with you 100% that it is, it's the biggest opponent they have. There are some good teams they have to face. Mm-hmm. Um, there are teams that certainly could upset them. And Alabama, in its last two tournament trips, they've made the NCAA tournament upset book, which is reserved for teams that lose to opponents seated at least five spots below them. It's happened the last two trips. It's mm-hmm. also happened historically to them. And there's, you know, we talk about this in football sometimes mm-hmm. that uh, that there's a, a little DNA that goes from coach to coach, mm-hmm. and you know, within within a program. And they've had some disappointing finishes mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament play, um, but they've never had a player <clears throat> on the floor like Brandon Miller. All the greats they've had, they've never had anybody like him. And uh, you know, I think that's that ultimately will be the difference is that as good as Arizona is, if that's the matchup we get in the elite eight, they don't have anybody like him. They've got really good players. Azulis Tabellis is a terrific player. Um, Courtney Ramey hit big shot. They've got really good players. They don't have Brandon Miller. And that's, that's the edge to me. Yeah, no. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of Brandon Miller's game. I want to be Mm -hmm. very clear about that. Like, I think as a prospect, I feel like, 
especially watching him over the last six weeks, there's an element of unselfishness to his game that he's not just a playmaker. He's not just a shooter. There's 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 a real nice flair to distribute there that uh, maybe I didn't expect to see when I when I came to match up. But I uh, I can't go chalk, man. I, I think I'm going go with my Wildcats. <laughs> I'm going with my recency bias. My my guy Kerr Creasa. Um, who and obviously Pell Larson played his tail off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you stayed up past last call last night to uh, to to watch the end of it. But they are Arizona fits what one of the hallmarks that I like in my NSA tournament seems they're old. Tabulis is a junior, Balo's a junior, Crease is a junior, Courtney Ramey has been in college since the uh, Clinton administration. Pell Larson's a junior. They're older guys. Um, and then they have Kylan Boswell, who's kind of that talented freshman who can mm-hmm. who can maybe flare off. So I like the mix. I think they're playing well. I really like Tommy Lloyd, young in his coaching career. I have a lot of faith in him on the sideline in this game. So I uh, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Long time, Mark Few assistant mm-hmm. plays the game the way it's supposed to be played, fast. Get it down the floor. Tabellus runs the floor great. Mm-hmm. Alabama's got bigs that can run with him. I, mean, I talk about Miller a lot because he's sensational, but they've got. You know, uh, Greenberg calls them Noah's Ark. They've got two of everything. Yes. And that's true. They've got four bigs. They do need their their guards. They're pure backcourt guys. Sears and Quinterly shot it well a couple of times in the tournament. Sears needs to shoot it better. Ryland Griffin needs to shoot it better if they're going to get to the final four. That's where we are in the South. We're going to break down uh, each region of this NCAA tournament on the College Game Day podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcast and stand by. Soon, the link will appear somewhere in your feed that you can download the next region.